the big names you know, the other guys you've never heard of, until now. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays minor league system. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays minor league system. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Good to have you along with me. Let's see if we can get Jim Taraboki on with Jim, are you there? I'm here. How are you? All right. I'm good, my friend. Let's talk about your Dunedin Blue Jays. And where would you like to start this week? Well, uh, I want to start by, by saying if you want a good piece of audio, I'm not the guy to start with, my friend. <laughs> Come on. You haven't learned this after three years, huh? No, uh, I... Uh, you know what? Says you. I um I would like to start... um with our uh, our pitching and in particular our starting pitching which has been um um yeah no I, the starting pitching for us here in Dunedin has been uh really has been as good as uh, I've ever seen it in my now 3 years here um and I mean I mean that in in terms of consistency I mean every night it's just uh with with except for Justin Dillon um a couple of nights ago who pitched 4 and 2 thirds it's pretty much you can almost bank on and I, mean, I hope I'm not jinxing it by saying this, but you can bank on any of these guys going at least five innings a night. Um, and right now, I mean, I was looking at it today. Our ERA as pitching staff in all of minor league baseball is fifth best um, throughout throughout minor league baseball. At one point, I think it was 1.57. Um, I forget what I put. I forgot what I put in the game notes, but. Um, so really that, that's, uh, that kind of says it all about where our team is right now. And, um, you know, our offense sort of, uh, gets off to a little bit of a s- slow starts, um, throughout games, uh, or actually the first three innings of games. But after that, we, uh, we really turn it on well. So, uh, I'm really impressed by what we have so far. And, and Cesar Martin, uh, is an unbelievable, uh, communicator and, and, really fun to work with on a daily basis. we got a really good staff down here in uh, Dunedin overall. Let's talk about some players specifically, and let's begin with a guy that you want to focus on. How about Cullen Large? Yeah, I mean, look, he's the guy who you – know, I'm watching him play here the last couple of weeks. Uh, I kind of wondered where you would put him uh, positionally. I mean, I'm not sure – I didn't wasn't sure he had the power to play third base, but – um, then I, I, I thought about what the Pirates have done with Cabrian Hayes and saying, you know, oh, we're going to put this guy at third. He's athletic, um, you know, and, and the power, you know, might come. And I know Cullen's a little bit older, but I don't think it's a bad approach uh, putting him at third base uh, and letting his bat really uh, just do the, the bulk of the work um, in his playing career. And uh, if he doesn't get a hit, he's somehow finding his way on base. And uh, he's drawing walks, uh, drawing high counts. He's getting into good hitting counts. Uh, he has a 13-game on-base streak, uh, which is the best of his career coming into play today. So, uh, you know, when you, you look at Cullen, you, you sort of – and by the way, he is a pretty good fielder as well. So you sort of, you know, I don't want to say put that on the back burner, um, but his bat offers a lot of upside. He was a guy who people were asking me coming into this year, the players I was looking forward to, and especially focusing upon the 2018 Lansing Lugnuts. You know, Ryan Noda, Chavez Young. Right. And I kept yeah. saying. Noda went 4 for 4 last large. night. Well, let's talk about that in just a second. But, Large, you see his numbers, what he did with the 2018 Lansing Lugnuts, and then the two injuries back to back early in the year, and his year was done. 
But he was so productive. He was so good, and it's so good seeing him pick right up where he left off. Yeah, it really is, and he looks healthy, and he's uh, a good base runner, and like I mentioned, he has a good approach to the plate. He has a very mature approach at the plate, and that's why I think he can draw so many walks, and even when he doesn't get a hit, he can still um, contribute in some way. With Ryan Noda, last year the story was April and May, we didn't hear anything from him. And then June, suddenly his dad woke up, and he became, out of nowhere, the best player in the Midwest League offensively. This year, it seems like things have started a little bit sooner. Big four for four. What have you seen? Yeah, well, there has been somewhat of a of an inconsistency um, in the beginning here, in the beginning stages. But um, you know, one night, like I said last night, is four for four, and then uh, maybe two nights before that, he might be zero for four. But what I do see is a guy who has the potential to hit the ball hard every time, and like Cullen, can draw a lot of walks, and he sees a lot of pitches. So. I, to me, you know, some guys are just they're slower starters than other guys. That's just the way it is, uh, I think, um, you know, in baseball and in any sport, really, um, but especially in baseball. I mean, some guys just don't get out of the gate right away uh, on fire. and That's okay. I mean, there's, there is no analytical stat for that, and um, maybe one day they'll be able to scientifically prove as to why a guy gets off to a little bit of a slower start. Um, but that doesn't diminish what uh, he has the potential to do in his career, what he's already done in his career, and what he can do in this case with Ryan Noda and uh, really help this team, um, you know, here for the, for the, for the long run. And, um, you know, he's a guy who, who also has played a little bit of the outfield as well. So he can play a little bit of the outfield, and, and he can play, um, you know, first base, and he can be a very good defender. Um, and then, and then uh, sort of... Uh, using the cliche, do the talking with his bat. How about your headliner, Nate Pearson? With those five shutout, one hit, nine strikeout innings, he's living up to the expectations. Yeah, he is. But you know something, Jesse? He's, uh, he's, very, he's still young, and young in terms of uh, mileage. Um, he's making just his 13th career start tonight for us, and he just picked up his first career win, in our opening day win against Clearwater, you know? So as much talk around Pearson as there is and as much uh, hype as there is around him, he's still very young. He doesn't have much mileage on him. And, you know, again, I'm not, you know, Kim, I, I, I don't know. I'm not Beecham. I don't know what his timetable is. But I still think, you know, with as much talk as there is around him, there's still time for him to continue to develop, get his confidence and get his legs under him here in Dunedin and then go to higher levels. Um, you know, I think his fastball is to touch 100 miles per hour. Uh, he has confidence in his braking stuff and his off-speed stuff, so that's all there. I think now it's just gaining that experience and continuing to, to pick up in terms of the mileage um, and, and gain more experience in his professional career. Again, when you, when you think about Pearson, you, know, you think of a guy who has, has all these accolades to him, and then you look at his numbers and you say, oh, my gosh, he's only started 12 games in his career. Well. You know, again, because unfortunately of injuries and whatnot, um, and, and again, maybe somewhat of an innings limit, he hasn't gotten the opportunity to expand on that, but uh, he'll continue to grow and develop, and uh, I, I look forward to watching him pitch every fifth day. The Dunedin Blue Jays currently, they play at home today against Lakeland. I believe that means Jack Russell. That's Nate Pearson on the yes. mound. Then they go at Lakeland on Saturday. And the next week, it's the prolonged road trip at Daytona at Jupiter. And that goes from Monday the 22nd through Sunday the 28th. Lastly, with Jim Tarabokia, 
We've decided org sweeps mean cake. There have been two org sweeps in a very short period of time. How have you treated yourself with every single affiliate in the Blue Jays organization and the big club winning games? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I like to go to Super Target and grab some, some Blue Bell ice cream. That's how I celebrate. Yeah. Um, I, I, I prefer mint chocolate chip, so uh, that's how I like to celebrate uh, a solid or organizational sweep. By the way, Jesse, I was uh, reading, because um, on, on our section of like, game notes, we have around like a little around the nest um, uh, section as well. It talks about uh, what every club did in the organization. I stole the name from you, so I hope it's not trademarked. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I, uh, I was looking, reading your recaps to try to find little tidbits as to what I could put. Um, and uh, every time I read your recaps, I hear your your extremely positive voice as I'm reading it, and it makes me it makes me it, it makes it a lot more enjoyable when I'm reading these recaps. You know, my recaps, right? They're just flat. You hear my voice; they're flat. Yours, though, have that pop to them, which I like. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, good work, my friend. Good work. Hey, thank you. At Jim Tara on Twitter. Follow Jim. Listen to him calling the DJs to the Eden Blue Jays, the Blue Jays A Advanced Affiliate. Let's go down the ladder now. I'm joined uh, calling the Lansing Lugnuts games in the Midwest League schedule, Class Single A, by Adam Jaxa. So let's bring in Adam right now. Adam, let's talk about this Lansing Lugnuts team. We need to begin with Ryan Gold. So before I officially say hello to you, Let's listen to what Ryan Gold did yesterday. Shortstop Hernandez is back of second. Third baseman Martinez plays in the shortstop hole. The pitch. That is smacked on the ground right side. Knocked down by the second baseman Willems. And then he falls to his knees and he doesn't have a play. Did well getting over to his right, but he could not secure it cleanly. An infield single for Ryan Gold. And Kirk advances to second. Right-hander this season has only given up one earned run, six total runs on the year. Righty on lefty, the pitch. Swing and flashed out to right center field. On the run is Sione, won't get to it, it's up the gap, all the way to the wall in right center. Kirk is in to score. Here comes Lopez, and there goes to third goal, sliding in head first, and he beats the tag applied by the third baseman, Martinez. A two-RBI triple for Ryan Gold, and the Lugnuts are back within a run in the third. The deal. Hit high and deep to right. Bautista goes back at the wall, looking up. It is gone! A grand slam for Ryan Gold. Ten to three Lugnuts. He just purged the bases. The last cycle in Lugnuts team history, April 24th, 2017, by Edward Olivares. Cox is 1-2. Hit in the air down the left field line. Monroe heads over to his right. Out of the corner, circling in. Can't make the catch. It folds. Lopez hesitated around second base. He heads for third. Gold lands it second. We will check in with the official score. Two bases for Ryan Gold. And if he gets it, that would be the cycle. Now an error has gone up there on the scoreboard. And they're all looking from that Lugnuts dugout up here to the press box. 
and has turned to four errors for the Dayton Dragons. Mm. Wow. With this windy night and the left fielder Monroe coming in, reaching for it. That is an above average play. And now they've reversed it. The fourth error has come down. It now reads only three errors and 16 hits has gone up for the Lugnuts. So retroactively, Ryan Gold, you have hit for the cycle. And now let me bring in my broadcast colleague, Adam Jackson, who watched yesterday's game with me. Adam, already this year, 14 games into the Lugnut season. We saw the walk-off with Johnny Aiello. We've seen comebacks. How about a cycle with a grand slam, which I guess we should start calling the golden cycle? That was amazing, Jesse. You never seen anything like it, especially with the drama deciding if it was an error, was it a hit? And for all of the offense we've seen from this lineup, we've seen great talent with Pruitt and Kirk and Lopez and Groshans. The guy that hit for the cycle had started the year four for 27 for the Lugnuts. So he was slumping. Ironically, one of the guys that had experience and had come back for his second season, there's only two Lugnuts that are playing back in Lansing for the second year. Gold had got off to kind of a sluggish start. Uh, he'd only had a couple of RBIs coming into the game, and he goes off. What a night for him. And uh, to get the grand slam as well. I mean, he just completely had everything working, great at bats. And uh, the Lugnuts showing us really this week how good this offense is because we'd seen the pitching. We'd seen the defense start to perk up. But uh, beginning late in that game on Monday when they came back and won on West Michigan and began this four-game winning streak, that's when the offense started to come alive. 16 hits last night was a season high. 12 runs was a season high. On Wednesday, they had just set those season highs with hits and runs. And one through nine, everybody had at least one hit in the lineup on Wednesday afternoon. So, this is recent and still with the weather being cold, but the Lugnuts have found their comfort and confidence at the plate, and it showed again last night against the Dragons. A question sent in about another specific Lansing Lugnut who's having a big start to the year. Reggie Pruitt is in his second year in the Midwest League. Is this fool's gold, or has he really turned the corner? Well, to me, it looks like he's turned the corner, Jesse. I mean, he's getting on base at will. He's got the longest on base streak right now for the Lugnuts, uh, which is 12 games currently. And at the beginning of the year, I think just seeing the adjustments, and not just Reggie, but for this whole team, the adjustments that have been made at the plate, you know, I remember those first couple of games, he struck out three or four times coming to the plate uh, Thursday and Friday, those chilly nights in Fort Wayne. But since then, he's lowered the strikeout numbers. He's getting on base with consistency, whether it's base hits or getting walks. Um, I'd like to see the, the steals number get up a little bit more. He flashed that early in the year. Uh, he's got four stolen bases on four attempts, and he's getting on enough where he can be aggressive and try and swipe back. So I think that can pick up, but he flashed the glove out in center field multiple times, including a couple of days ago, uh, a diving catch to save some runs. So he's got the defense. Right now he's getting on base. I think more steals, and then can we see a little bit more pop in the bat? But right now I think uh, things are looking good for Reggie Pruitt uh, to continue this consistency and wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year if uh, he's not in Lansing anymore because he's putting together another good season after he was able to make some noise last year, although I know he had some injuries. But 
He was uh, third best on this team in, in stealing bases. And, again, he was out there making defensive plays as well. So I think it's all starting to come together this season, and I'm excited to watch it continue. Last week we focused on Alejandro Kirk and Jordan Groshans. Who else is there that probably deserves more attention, like a Reggie Pruitt and like a Ryan Gold? Otto Lopez. There's no question Otto Lopez. Uh, he's one of the top guys in the Midwest League who um, is getting on base. His on-base percentage is through the roof right now. And overshadowed, obviously, last night by Ryan Gold, who goes four for five, gets those seven RBIs, hit for a cycle with a grand slam. You look at Otto Lopez, who's been tweaked around in the lineup. He's batting fifth tonight. He was third last night. He was batting cleanup the day before that. Uh, Jesse, last night he was three for four with three more hits. He scored three runs. He walked. He had an RBI. His strikeout numbers are low. His walks are high. And he's got some pop in his bat. We saw a home run here at Cooley Law School Stadium uh, just last week. So Otto Lopez, the guy that has shown he can play short, he can play second when they want to give Groshans a day off or uh, when they want to flip around with Nick Podkul, who's played third or second base. He can play either side up the middle of second, and he's got some power. And uh, I haven't even mentioned stolen bases. He stops on his team uh, in the stolen bases category as well. So Otto Lopez, I think a name that if you're not familiar with in the Blue Jays organization, you certainly want to be because he's got the tools in multiple categories uh, to be really good. Let's wrap up with this before we go up to Buffalo. Adam, org sweep, how do you treat yourself? I treat myself with Jesse Goldberg's Strassler birthdays on the first org sweep of the season. Uh, we were treated to cake and ice cream by West Michigan. I have to give the Whitecaps staff a little shout-out. They had marble cake waiting for you, Jesse. You were preparing for the game, and uh, they came in saying happy birthday to the booth, and me just tagging along. Luckily, uh, I got to reap the benefits of that, have some cake and have some ice cream. So, uh, that's how I celebrated the first org sweep conveniently on your birthday and uh, another one yesterday, but uh, great to see for the Blue Jays. So I'll go cake and ice cream, and uh, it doesn't matter what flavor. Sounds good. Adam Jaxa, Adam Jaxa on Twitter, A-D-A-M-J-K-S-A, is my co-broadcaster for Lansing Lugnuts Games. Adam, thank you for your time. You got it. Thanks, Jesse. On LansingLugnuts.com, you can check us out. And the Lugnuts are at home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week against the South Bend Cubs before they head out on the road and take on the Bowling Green Hot Rods. Uh, they brought in five dishes of ice cream, the West Michigan Whitecaps, plus an enormous cake. They expected us to eat it. We did our best. Pat Malakara with the Buffalo Bisons. How do you uh, treat yourself on an org sweep kind of night or the day after? Well, I'm trying to cut down on my sugar, so I didn't have as much as you guys may have had in the broadcast booth. But uh, uh had some fun after the game for sure. Uh, the, uh, the Pawtucket's a, a fun city to visit and uh, with, with some friends that I've had there for a while. So uh, we, had, we had some fun after the game and watched the, the end of the Blue Jays game. So we uh, completed everything with uh, making it a full circle. You visited Pawtucket, and then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. visited the parking lot. That's the longest home run you've seen in Buffalo since when? Well, I hate to say it, but there was a home run that Ryan LaVarnway hit here. He's a member of the scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. The track man only said it was about 450. I don't believe it. Uh, he hit a ball out of our ballpark, period. And there's a screen that goes up about 30 feet 
above our left field wall. So he hit the ball about 30 feet beyond the screen over it. That's probably – those two are the furthest I've seen hit this year. Uh, and they're – you know, that ball by Vladdy, the, the second it left his bat, this, from our vantage point, I just hoped it was going to stay fair, and it did. So uh, it was a lot of fun to see that one go out of the ballpark. Vladdy's doing exactly what you expect him to do. I don't know if you had these expectations for Kevin Biggio, even though he was the Eastern League MVP last year. How much are you enjoying watching Kevin? Yeah, I, it's one of those things where you just never know what to expect, right? You've got young players that have succeeded at every level of the organization, but AAA is a different beast, and it's a different animal. You're facing guys that have been in the big leagues before. So I was, I always come into it with an open mind, but both, both the fact that um, Bo Bichette as well has come around recently um, has been very nice for the Bisons and for Biggio to play as well as he has. It's been a nice surprise, and it's something I didn't expect, but uh, I'd, I'd hoped maybe it would be something that we could do or that we, could, we would see. There was a study that came out. I saw it from Baseball America. AAA this year is using Major League Baseballs. Makes sense. After all, mm-hmm. so many guys go from AAA to the Major Leagues and back again. Why not get them accustomed to it? And then there was the graph showing the AAA home run rate. What have you seen? What was your reaction to the way that home runs have been affected with AAA using Major League Baseballs? Yeah, this is something I was interested to see when the season started, to be honest, because anecdotally we've heard over the years from guys that have either been in spring training or in the big leagues that the ball just carries further, and we're seeing it. I mean, there's guys that should not be hitting home runs that are. Uh, Buffalo traditionally is a very difficult place to hit the ball to right field, and that has not been the case early on this season. Now, some of it is to the fact that the weather patterns are the way they are. But at the same time, um, I, I came into it probably knowing the answer, and it's been proven true to this point. So it's definitely something we've seen. The ball just explodes a lot faster and further. But the one thing I will say is I've asked around uh, to guys on the team, this is the way they want it. If, the, if this is the way it's going to be in, in the big leagues, you want to be as prepared as possible for when you get there. It's not if, it's when. So if the goal is to get to the big leagues, I want to play in the conditions most suited to what it's like up there. So it might not be fun for pitchers at times. It might not be the situation they want. They may have to adjust now after pitching a certain way all their careers up until now. But it's an adjustment they want to make, and it's something that they definitely want to uh, have happen before they get to the big leagues so that – They've already made that adjustment. Let's finish up with this. There's all the conversation, and rightfully so, when is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going to get the call back to the major leagues? At some point, you feel Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going to go up. Uh, There are other guys, right, who are basically, it's the lobby, it's the waiting room, it's play well, continue to develop, and they are going to be in the majors with the Toronto Blue Jays before too long. Are Roman Fields or other guys whose names are not being mentioned are there any other players with the Bisons you believe they are on their way to a major league call-up sooner rather than later? Well, if Dusty Isaac continues to throw up zeros from the bullpen, he has been a very nice surprise, not because I didn't expect it from him, but that he came up last year, pitched well in his limited time, went back to double-A and pitched okay. He's been great. 
for the Bisons. He's been the, a steadying force in the bullpen. So if he continues to throw away, he does or has been doing, it might be a situation like Murphy Smith last year where, you know, you would not have expected Murphy to be in the big leagues at the end of August into September. But, you know, you pitch well enough, they'll find a 40-man spot for you. So uh, Dusty Isaacs has been one of those guys that has played really well. And I wouldn't forget about Richard Arena as well. He's only been here for four games, but already has seven RBIs, two triples. Um, you know, he's a guy that probably should still be in the big leagues. He was not playing poorly, but we know – so many times it can be a numbers game uh, in in the show. So for Arena, he's come down. He has not sulked one bit. Played well because I think he knows it's only a matter of time when he goes back up. A Friday night bash for the Buffalo Bisons, and here's what's coming up: the weekend series, including a doubleheader Saturday against Scranton Barry, then off to the road next week playing at Syracuse and at Lehigh Valley. Pat Malacaro, find him on Twitter. Listen into the games with the herd. Triple A Buffalo Bisons and so much to tune in and uh, and enjoy this year. Pat, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Jesse. Can't wait to catch up next week. All right. And take care of yourself and keep on eating that sugar-free diet. Keep taking care of your own health. <laughs> Thanks. All right. And from Pat, let me go down to Double A in New Hampshire. Let's bring in Tyler Zickel. Tyler, when it's an org sweep kind of day, a cake day kind of day, how do you treat yourself when the organization goes undefeated? Well, Jesse, I may be breaking from the pack here, and with that, it's a tall Bud Light at the Binghamton, New York Holiday Inn in downtown <laughs> Binghamton. So that was how oh, I yes, celebrated sir. this time around. Just got to, you know, got to keep it mixed up, and even in April, need a little lubrication, especially when you are in the parlor city. That is how you rumble with your ponies, if you know what I'm saying. Exactly. Let's talk about your New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and let's begin right with a question from Bluebird Banter. Hey, how about Santiago Espinal? You know, Jesse, I'll tell you this. Speaking of Binghamton, we were there for the final game of our first road trip of the year on Wednesday, and after a slow start to that road trip, certainly in the series in Hartford, Espinal came up certainly short multiple times, and I know he was frustrated going into the Binghamton series, but he broke out. And so on that Wednesday game, uh, not only did he have a grand slam in the eighth inning to break the game open and help the Cats take that series, but he helped with the scoring back in the third inning with a two-RBI single coming up in a big spot and not trying to do too much but hitting the ball right back up the middle. And, of course, when you go deep, to any part of the park, and with anybody on the base pass, you feel good. But with the bases juiced, Espinal got a pitch to pull, and he did the right thing. He stayed within himself. And even though he's one of the slightest players on the Fisher Cats roster this year, no problem about the pop in that bat. So for him, setting a new career high for a single-game total of RBI at six, very excited as he heats up with the weather up here in New Hampshire. That's big time. How about a different game against the Rumble Ponies? New Hampshire won 4-1. to one. This was on Tuesday. Hector Perez was the pitcher on the mound. Five scoreless innings. Now there were runners on against him. Four walks, four base hits, but he didn't allow any runs, and he whipped seven. What was working for him? For Hector, as I look back in my scorebook sitting in front of me here, Jesse, a lot of first pitch strikes, but at the same time, making sure that he, when he did follow up behind, didn't get flustered. That was something that I noticed in his first two starts where he struggled and didn't last beyond, I believe, the third inning and his longer of those two starts. For him, he was able to stay 
calm, cool, and collected, as tired as that cliche might be. You look out at his body language, and it really seemed like business as usual. He was getting the ball, hopping back up on the pitcher's plate, and then delivering his next, next pitch, and more often than not, hitting his spot when the time came. Of course, those four walks in that game is certainly something to be concerned about, but because it's April, I will say this, the weather was 50 degrees at first pitch, so that's not necessarily the best circumstance to be pitching in, but Hector was able to grind it through and put up those five shutout innings, and of course, seven strikes as well. So we're keeping an eye on his command as the season goes along, but we know what Hector's upside is, and we saw a lot of that in Binghamton this last week. Joined by Tyler Zickel talking to New Hampshire Fisher Cats baseball. I bet Kevin Smith must have loved going back to upstate New York, didn't he? He did, and while I didn't get a chance to ask him expressly about his thoughts being back in his home state, he certainly enjoyed the series in Binghamton. He had an RBI double in the first inning in game number one, and then in game two, he had a home run that began the fourth inning to left field that was a no-doubter. So certainly a nice return to the Empire State for the East Greenbush, New York native. And uh, for him, I know he's looking forward to warmer weather as well. He's been playing in a mask at shortstop for much of the season. So looking forward to him being able to play mask-free. What have been your impressions watching Kevin so far in the young season? Well, certainly I can understand why he's the seventh-ranked Blue Jays prospect on that MLB.com top 30. He goes about his business like a pro. You've seen videos in years past. I believe this spring training there was a great video where he was explaining his technique as to how he approaches ground balls and getting the appropriate hop. You see that happen in real time when he's actually playing in the game, let alone giving you an instructional tutorial. So for Kevin to continue to do what he's doing and get a taste of double-A pitching, which has unfortunately not been the most enjoyable for him to start, a little more swing and misses than I'm sure he would like. I'm sure he's going to make that course correction sooner rather than later. And we saw it in Binghamton and we saw it in Hartford. He had a home run in Hartford as well to the opposite way on this most recent road trip. He's definitely starting to figure it out. And once he gets going as well between Smith and Espinal, that's quite the middle of the infield duo, not just on defense, but at the plate as well. Looking at your offensive numbers, and everybody is off to a slow start. Brock Lundquist has started up 5 for 41. Chad Spanberger just 7 for 50. And onward, Nash Knight, a countable veteran, 5 for 34. Are there guys in watching them, talking with them, talking with hitting coach Donnie Murphy and your manager Mike Mordecai that you say, I'm not worried right now because there is a feeling that a breakout is coming? I think two of those guys you mentioned for sure, that's Chad Spanberger and Brock Lundquist. And, of course, Nash Knight's going to figure it out because he's just a professional. He's going to go about his business as he needs to to make sure that he's a contributing member of the lineup. But for Spanberger and for Lundquist, their first season in AA, and for Spanberger, his first full season in the system, those are guys who are, I think are going to figure it out as well. And for Chad... He's a guy we know he can hit big home runs, but he had a couple of great at-bats in Binghamton, including a two-out RBI single in that 4-1 victory we talked about moments ago. And it certainly wasn't a well-struck ball, but he battled. He fouled off four pitches with two strikes, and then he was able to bloop a single into center to score a first-inning run for the Cats on that Tuesday night game in Binghamton. And for Brock Lundquist, he was hitless in the homestand, but then stepped up as a pinch hitter in Hartford and delivered a two-RBI single and went on to get about five hits, as you said, Jesse, on the road trip. So I think Brock is starting to figure it out. I got a chance to speak with him about that a few days ago, and he said he's starting to really put the barrel well on these balls, but just not quite getting the ball to fall just yet, and that was evidence on this road trip. So for me, Lundquist and Spanberger, two guys that, to be honest, the Cats are going to need to step up on offense if they're going to want to try and make a repeat action on that championship from last year. But all smiles for Lundquist and Spanberger here in the early goings, despite some struggles. 
Last week was first impression week in terms of what does everybody think of everybody who's on their team? We're joined by Tyler Murray. Let me check in with you. Of your first impressions, of your pitchers, your hitters, everybody getting a chance to meet them, who of the players that you've never seen before, never met before, has really made a great positive early impact upon you? I would say Vinny Capra, of all people. Vinny has been the biggest surprise. He's a guy who made his double-A debut this year because he was drafted in the well, in the later rounds last season uh, out of Richmond, and shame on me for not knowing that, but Vinny is one of the newest cats, and he was a guy who had a hit in his first seven double-A games, went over for two games to finish the road trip, and then yesterday had a couple of knocks, including a RBI double. So for Vinny, who this time last year was in college, to be contributing, not just as a fluke one game or two games, but to be a consistent contributor, that certainly speaks volumes to the talent that Everybody is quickly learning about the pride in Melbourne, Florida, and he's hitting all over the lineup as well, whether it's first or ninth or in the middle of the order, he's making it happen. And then on the mound, I would say Zach Logue has had a very nice start to his season. Obviously, the numbers over the last two starts haven't matched his five perfect innings to start his double-A career in his season debut, but Zach's going out there every fifth day and giving it his all, and a guy certainly who's fun to talk to off the field as well. So for me, it's Logan Capra in the early goings to share those first impressions. He's Tyler Zickel, Tyler underscore Z-I-C-K-E-L, the Zick, joining us for his 2019 Around the Nest debut. Tyler, I hope you're enjoying yourself, and all the best up in double-A. Thank you very much, Jesse. Who knows what Eastern League destination I'll be talking to you from next time around, but for the moment, cheers to the nest. Hey, here's to the org suites. Here's to the Bud Lights. Here's to everything going on. Where, regardless of whether it's Rumble Ponies, Yard Goats, and onward, you keep on being you, my man. Thank you very much. So that's Tyler Zickel. That's the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And the New Hampshire Fisher Cats currently, they are back home. They host the Hartford Yard Goats this weekend, followed by the Trenton Thunder next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. They're celebrating an Earth, uh, Earth Day, April 22nd, Earth Day, um, out in New Hampshire. So that's what's happening with uh, regard to the system. We're enjoying these org sweeps. Uh, so keep on enjoying your cake. Keep on celebrating with us. You know that each week I love to end with a conversation with a player in the organization just to give you a chance to get to know maybe somebody that you hadn't gotten a chance to know before. Last week, you got to know Connor Law, right-handed reliever who has just promoted, sent up to A-Advanced Dunedin, and now he's a part of the DJ's bullpen. His biggest highlight of this past week, he was hit squarely with a line drive in his chest, trying to lock down a lug nuts win in the bottom of the ninth inning, came with one out. The runner eventually reached second base. Law was examined, stayed in the game, struck out the next two batters to end the inning, end the game, and lock it down. He gets that promotion. It is well-deserved. Nobody doubts his toughness. And he's throwing 94-95 with a killer slider. This week, I'd like to introduce you to Jake Brote, who's the Lansing Lugnut starting first baseman. The Blue Jays drafted him in the ninth round, last year's draft out of Santa Clara. Jake, back in his high school days, was teammates with Dom Abadessa, currently a Lugnuts outfielder, and Hagen Danner, the Lugnuts starting catcher. Danner, the second-round draft choice in 2017. They were all on the same Huntington Beach high school team. Here's Jake Brode, known for his power, 6'5", and also one special day that he had in college. This is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, joined by Lansing Lugnuts first baseman Jake Brode. Jake, I believe 
that you have a teammate that you coached in flag football on this Lugnuts team. <laughs> How good was your flag football team? Our flag football team was really good. Uh, Hagen Danner was a big part of that. Uh, I think I was like a senior in high or er, junior in high school. He was in eighth grade. He was my brother's age. Uh, him and my brother grew up good friends. So uh, yeah, I was the coach of that team, and we ended up winning like our whole championship. So it was fun. You're the big guy. What did you think of Don Abadessa back then? Dom Dom is a good dude. He's he's still the same Dom. He's still always having a good time. Uh, competitor on the field. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I'm glad that we're all playing together. How good was that Huntington Beach team? Uh, we were we were pretty good. It's, I don't like to brag too much about like high school teams, but we had, we had a good team. A lot of guys went to go on and play college and pro ball. So. How old were you when you first said, I'm going to try to play college baseball, I'm good enough? Um, I always like aspired to play college baseball like my whole life. I think I knew like freshman, sophomore year of college, uh, I always knew that I was going to play somewhere. I just didn't know where that would be. Um, and my roads took me to Santa Clara University, and I'm glad the way it all ended up. Let's talk about those roads. What were those roads that brought you to Santa Clara? Um, I actually only had one offer out of call or out of high school. Um, I took it early, though. I took it after my junior year of, uh, of high school, so I didn't really wait around. I wasn't a huge fan of the whole recruiting process. It's just there's a lot of politics behind it and everything, and I just kind of wanted to get it done. And luckily, the first offer that came by, um, I really liked and took it and I'm blessed to have that opportunity so how did you grow as a ball player there um I got there and I really I grew as a person first off I I got there and I, I got really homesick the first like month I was like six seven hours from home um I'm a homebody I love my family a lot so it was hard to be away from them at first um I almost came home I almost left college uh after the first month but um, I had a really, really good opportunity to start as a freshman, and I didn't want to pass that up, and then I ended up staying. I ended up really loving all the guys on the team, um, and I came around. I grew a lot as a person, and then it helped me grow on the field. So I, I'm really glad the way it, it played out. Your best individual game is something that anybody else would consider the game of their <laughs> life. You had two Grand Slams in the same inning, and you weren't even done that day. <laughs> what was that like, First, the first Grand Slam? Um, it was good. It was that was actually my second home run of the day. Um, so like I was already on cloud nine at that point. It was to take the lead. Second, uh, it was the second game of the year, so it was opening weekend. All like uh, the butterflies were super high in everyone's stomach, um, and it was our our uh, head coach Rusty Filter. It was his first win as a head coach. He um, last year was his first year uh, head coach. So it was a really special win, and it was it was cool to put my team in the position to win that game. All right. So the first home run, you knew it was gone. Yeah, I did. I did. First Grand Slam, you knew it was gone? Yeah. You come up again. <laughs> the bases are loaded. It's the same inning. What are you thinking as you step into the batter's box? I mean, we had already had a lead at that point, so I was just trying to, like, do whatever I can to get a lead. I didn't – I mean, with, with guys in scoring position, I knew they weren't going to give me much to hit. I think it was a – I think I worked a 3-0 count. I, and then I took a big swing on a 3-0, um, and, <laughs> mi- and I missed it. <laughs> Of course, and then yeah, I got another good one to hit 3-1 and ended up putting it out. Could you hear your teammates no, at all? I, don't, I, I really don't remember anything after that. I have video and everything. Like, my dad, the funnest part watching back is, like, we have, like, the video, like, the actual video from upstairs and everything. But my favorite ones to look back on uh, back on are the ones that my dad took from the side. He always takes video of my bats so I can watch them, like, after the games and stuff. And just to hear his, like, joy and, like, his voice uh, was really cool. So I like to look back on that. The game ends. How many people reached out to you? 
a lot. My phone blew up. Um, it didn't really like hit me, I guess, until the next day. Like I woke up and I, I was on ESPN. Um, so I didn't really know like how like big of a deal it was. I was just really happy that we got our first win <laughs> like out of the way. You know, it's like always you're always hunting for that first win. You're always hunting for the first hit of a season. You're always hunting for the first home run, and it all came in one day. So I was just kind of like relieved that it all happened. Um, but yeah, I was just happy at that point that we got our first win. What's the hardest ball that you've ever hit? Oh, I have. I don't know. There's been a lot of them. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. There's the no like legendarily long home run. Um. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, in college, like I, I didn't go to like a big like SEC school where they had like all these like trackman and stuff. So I don't really know like what my furthest one really was. I've hit a few pretty pretty good, but I don't know what the actual like measurement was. When you hit a home run, do you even feel the ball hit the bat? No, I most of the time I don't, and I'm like one of those guys who I like whenever I hit a ball, I immediately drop the bat and run. Like a lot of people can like hit a ball and immediately know right off the bat and like do the bat flip, whole pimp like the pimp job and everything. And it's weird because like I'll I'll hit up like my furthest ball in my life and I'll still like drop the bat and run and I won't like stop until I actually see it go out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it feels good to hit them. I'm, I'm looking looking forward. I think it's easy to just talk with you about offense. Let's talk defense. Yeah. How hard have you worked to grow as a first baseman? I worked really hard because growing up I was I wouldn't say I was like a bad hitter by any means, but I I don't think that was I wasn't the best on pretty much any of my teams at hitting until like maybe like the last year or so um, in college. So I really had to work uh, to keep my not keep myself in the lineup, but just to like I know that you could save like people always say like an RBI and a home run is the same as saving like a run on defense. And so I took I took a lot of pride in that. Like if I can if I can get my defense to be the best that it can be. I know it'll help my team win, and I've taken a lot of pride in that um, growing up. Like as a first baseman, I think that it kind of goes um, overlooked a little bit. Like you always hear about like the really good center fielders, the really good shortstops, but a lot of the times first baseman have to help them out, and it makes them look a little bit better. So I take pride in helping my team uh, make less errors and just help my pitchers uh, stay afloat. You know. Have you had fielders come to you after, let's say, throws that weren't exactly on target that you rescued, and they mm-hmm. said, Jake, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you, you save, like, I guess, like, runners in scoring position in an inning. They throw a ball in the dirt, and you pick it to end the inning or something. Um, they'll come in, give me knocks or something. It's it's a good feeling, though. I, I like to pick up my team. And then base running. I had never seen you before this year, and you start <laughs> stealing bases, and you're going, and now teams have to be wary of you. Mm-hmm. Has that always been a part of your game that you just had in your back pocket? Um, I've always been decent speed. I wouldn't say that I've been a big base stealer. I, I take pride in like being like savvy on the base pass, um, like knowing what to do and what and what uh, and like what position or what time of the game. Um, but I wouldn't say that I've always been a big base dealer. I think I'll catch people by surprise just because they won't expect me to be going. I'm not the fastest guy in the world, but I'm not also not the slowest. But I know that if I run at the right times with the right pitches and the right counts, then I can get some bags this year. It's funny, too. The other aspect of your game that we've seen is your quality at bats and drawing walks. Mm-hmm. And hearing that that surprised you about the walks that you've drawn, has this been a new thing this year? Yeah, it actually has. I've um, I've been a pretty free swinger my whole life. I mean, just a bigger guy. I've always looked to do damage on pretty much every pitch, but um, I want to. I wanted to get my on base percentage. I was uh, on base percentage up, and I wanted to start swinging at better pitches. And that was my biggest uh, focus going into the spring training, was just being more selective with uh, with the pitches that I swing at. And I'm not where I want to be yet, but I've also 
gotten a lot better at it. And as you can see, like I think I think I've already walked more times this year than I did all last year in short season. So that's a good uh, a good stride that I've taken. There's selectivity. There's also two strike approach. Mm -hmm. It was the 11 pitch at bat in South Bend to start things off to start the game winning rally. How's your two strike approach been? Uh, it's been it's been a lot better than it has in the past. Um, I'm not necessarily in swing mode, as I say, uh, as I have been in the past. Sometimes I give pitchers too much credit, um, thinking that they're just going to throw me one right over the plate for me to hit. But a lot of the times they're going to miss they're going to miss their spot the same way I miss like a like a swing and miss at a ball. Um, so I know it's going to happen. So I think that like I I just work to um, just make contact instead of being in like swing mode and doing a lot of damage. I know that I'm a bigger guy and I can do damage without having to try to. So I think just really grinding out now bats can uh, help my team out. With Lansing Lugnuts first baseman Jake Broat, beyond baseball, what else do you enjoy? Uh, I love the beach. Um, I come from Huntington Beach, as you already said. Um, I spend a lot of my time at home, like on the beach, surfing. Um, I like to get up early and go sit and watch the waves sometimes. So it's kind of like, it kind of brings me back to uh, like a good state of mind. Like if whenever I'm struggling or something, um, that's kind of what I do. Jake, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, no worries at all. My pleasure. So that is getting to know a little bit more about big Jake Broat, faster than you expect, a better defender than you expect. Had two triples in a game this year as well. We're waiting for the first home run, but Broat is coming along and he's putting together some great at-bats. Here's another recommendation for you. If you go to LansingLugnuts.com, you'll find a spotlight article on Will McCaffrey, the right-handed reliever from North Vancouver, B.C., and it was written by Hayden Godfrey, who is really pitching in on Around the Nest posts on Bluebird Banter, as well as writing Lansing Lugnuts feature articles. So check out that piece. Follow Hayden. You'll be seeing a lot of great work from him all throughout this year. Big thanks to Hayden. Big thanks to the minor leaguer, and our thanks to Bluebird Banter as well. Thanks to Adam Jaxa in Lansing, Pat Malacaro with the Buffalo Bisons, Tyler Zickel with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and leadoff hitter Jim Tarabokia of the Dunedin Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and this has been Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays minor league organization. Until next week, enjoy the baseball.